thank you for clicking this button and joining us today and inviting us into your yeah. spaces, whether you're driving or working I out. I hope you're not driving do- watching this. Well, you know, listening. they could be listening on the podcast. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Okay, driving <laughs> and listening, but please don't be watching and well, listening. Well, <laughs> I'm glad you're here, and I hope that you have a great uh, engagement with the sermon. And please remember to like and subscribe so you can continue to get these contents um, on your feed. And also check out our website. There's a lot of things going on here at the church, and I invite you to get connected to all the things that are happening here at the this church family that you're a part of. So here's the sermon. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. So glad you're here. And for those who are watching this online, welcome to all of you. It's been a very significant week at Christ Community. We had three days of fasting and and uh, events on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening. Just a really significant hunger for God and the moving in our church. And so um, I'm excited about this year and where God is leading us. Well, today... We are beginning a a very significant journey, perhaps the most significant journey that a person can be on, the journey of intimacy with God. This is what we were created to experience. God invites each one of us, not just to know about him, but to know him in a deeply personal, real, experiential way. Now, for many Christians, many Christ followers, when they hear that, this idea of having this kind of relationship with God, it just feels, for many Christ followers, it feels, feels unattainable. Um, maybe because of some wounds in our past or teaching we received or whatever. We just can't imagine a God like that. Or maybe we think intimacy with God is something that's reserved for, you know, super spiritual people, but not for ordinary folks like like you and me. But but that's not the case. This kind of intimacy with God is absolutely attainable for each one of us, no matter where we're at in our spiritual journey. It's something that each one of us can experience. But here's the thing. It doesn't happen automatically, nor does it happen instantly. Intimacy with God is something we must intentionally cultivate. I mean, it's the same thing as in a marriage. I mean, just because I'm married to Raylene doesn't mean our relationship is close and connected. We have to intentionally cultivate that by spending time together and opening our hearts to each other and listening to each other. There there have been seasons in our marriage, like any marriage, but seasons in our marriage where because of busyness, we just stop doing that. We stop doing date nights, we stop you know, connecting, and before we know it, we, we are living in, in proximity to one another, but relationally disconnected. It's not that we're angry with one another, it's just that our hearts are not connected. I mean, think about the word intimacy, into me see. Intimacy is cultivated through intentional connection, opening our hearts to one another. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. We have to cultivate an experience of intimacy with God. There are some specific practices that we can build into our lives that can help us experience Jesus in a deeply personal and real way. So over the next eight weeks, we're taking a break from our First Corinthians series, and we're going to be journeying together, learning five core spiritual practices that each and every one of us can build into our lives, and that will help us cultivate 
deepening intimacy with God. Now, these practices are described in more detail in my book, The Intimate God, which we've run out of, copies of. Uh, we've ordered more next week, and we will have more. But it's also available on Amazon as an ebook, an audible book, and also a paperback or whatever. But, but, but you don't have to purchase a book to experience this journey. Each week, I'm going to be teaching the basic content that, in, in my sermon. So the book is really an added resource have you ever had, heard a sermon and you wished you could go back over that? Certain things are in written form. You could look over that and reinforce what you heard. Well, that's really the opportunity that the book provides for us in this series. I really, I want us to have multiple ways to interact with the content. But listen, it is about so much more than content. It, it's about so much more. It, it's, actually, it, it's actually about doing the stuff. It's about doing the stuff we're talking about. So here's the reality. If over the next eight weeks, you simply listen to sermons or read the chapters in the book, but you don't practice what we're talking about, you will have lots of great information, lots of great head knowledge, but your relationship with Jesus will not have moved toward deepening intimacy with him. So a crucial part of this eight-week experience is practicing what we're talking about. So each week, there will be three exercises that I encourage all of us to do over the course of that week. They, they, these exercises enable us to practice what we heard about or what we read about in that chapter. So each exercise will take about 10 minutes um, and, and the exercises, they're, they're in the book, or you can find them on, a, on the link that we're providing, our newsletter, our website. We have an audio version of each exercise. We also have a PDF version available for, of, the, of the exercises available for you. Exercises are crucial. Okay, so are we ready to begin? All right, here we go. Let's do this. So when talking about growing in our experience of intimacy with God, there is a crucial question that we must begin with. Here's the question. How does God feel about you? Now, at some level, we all know the Bible answer, God loves me, John 3, 16. My, but my question is, is a deeper one than that. My, my question is this. How do you feel God feels about you? Do you like intuitively feel his love for you? See, how you answer that question has a significant impact on your experience of intimacy with Jesus. I mean, think about this analogy. Imagine it, you're back in fourth grade, or this could also be with a college professor or whatever, but let's say you're in fourth grade. Your teacher is this stern, stoic woman who never smiles. She always has kind of a disappointed look on her face. Your parents rave about what an amazing teacher that she is. She has various awards on her wall, teaching awards on her wall in her classroom. You, you, you learn things in her class, but you never really feel relaxed in her presence. So let's say one day she stops you after class and she says, hey, why don't you stop by my room? I just like to get to know you better. See, what, what would your instinctive response, your internal response be? No way. <laughs> no way. I'm not doing that. Even though you respect her, you don't really want to get to know her. Your perception of her impacts your desire to get to know her better. Okay, now, now think about how this relates to our perception of God. If we perceive God to be distant or uncaring or distracted or too busy or scowling at a disappointed, whatever, if, if we perceive him to be one of those things, how eager 
are we gonna be to cultivate a relationship with him? We won't. No matter how often we're told Christians are supposed to spend time with God, we won't want to spend time with him. And when we do force ourselves to to spend time with him because everyone's telling us we're supposed to do that, when we do force ourselves to do that, it's going to feel like we're just going through the motions. I mean, how life-giving is that? You see, our experience of intimacy with Jesus is dependent upon our perception of him. So back to this question, how do you feel God feels about you? See, the Bible has a very clear and specific answer to that question. God delights in you. Seriously, it's not just that he tolerates you or he, he reluctantly accepts you because of the work of Jesus. He, kind of, he reluctantly accepts you. No, God actually delights in you. See, this delight is the starting place for our relational connection as human beings. Our 16-month-old grandson just visited us over Christmas. They live in Nebraska, so it was really fun to have him here. We don't get to spend a ton of time because they live seven hours away. So we were looking for ways while he was here just to connect. And and, and one of the ways we did this was by delighting in him, right? So I would hide my face behind Raylene's back, and then I would pop out, you know, with a huge smile, and that would make him giggle, um, and it would, you know, just kind of melt my heart. But look, he's 16 months old. This is what he's experiencing. This is how God made us as human beings. See, neuroscience reveals, tons of research has been done, reveals that when when a child sees the face of someone delighting in them, two things happen in that child's brain. Joy is released, and a relational attachment occurs to whoever is delighting in them. Every human being, every one of us, from the moment of birth, we have been created by God with a need, with a longing to be delighted in. And when that happens, a door opens for us to experience relational connection and intimacy. Now look, we all intuitively experience this in, in, in our relationships. Let's say you, if you walk into a room, you walk into a room and someone you know looks up and they see you walk into the room and then they just go back and with no response, they just go back and keep working on their computer. How connected do you feel to them? You don't. But what if when you enter the room, this person looks up, they see you and they smile, right? The moment they see you. What happens in your own heart when you're delighted in? You feel an immediate attachment to them. You feel a heart connection with them. That's the impact of delight. And so in light of this relational impact of delight, it is no surprise to discover that the language of delight is often how our intimate God describes his heart toward us. So look with me at this amazing scripture, the Old Testament book of Zephaniah, chapter 317. You may be saying, oh, that's an Old Testament. It's just, you know, but listen, this is an Old Testament passage, but it speaks, it's like a prophetic picture of the gospel. You can read the whole passage and see it. It's a a prophetic picture of what Jesus is going to accomplish for us in, in, in the cross and all of that. Okay, so So let's read this out loud together, all right? Zephaniah 3, 17. Read it out loud with me. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. 
With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Now, the imagery here is amazing. God is being described here as a loving parent tenderly holding a fitful, cranky baby, calming the child's restlessness by singing with joy over the child in his arms. This is God's heart for you. This is God's heart for you. God delights in you. He rejoices over you. This is how he sincerely feels about you. Or another passage that I love is is Numbers chapter six. I often speak this blessing over our church at the end of a service, and, and I encourage parents, we encourage parents to speak this blessing over their children. Check this out. Here's the blessing. The Lord bless you. God wants his priest to speak this over his people. Here's what he says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now notice how twice in this passage, God's face is mentioned. May his face shine on you. What does that mean? That literally means he's smiling at you. That's what it means, that you are experiencing his genuine smile of delight. His face is shining upon you. And then it describes the Lord's face being turned toward you. What does that mean? Well, how do you like talking to someone and their face is turned somewhere else? They're looking on their phone. How does that feel? He's talking about a God whose face is turned towards you. He is attentive to you. He's not looking at his cell phone. He, not, he's not trying to multitask while you're talking to him. No, his gaze, his heart, they are turned toward you. That This is what God wants us, his people, to experience. This is the reality he wants us to live in. He wants us to know in the depth of our being that he is smiling at us, that he is attentive to us, that he delights in us. Is that how you feel God feels about you? Or do you instead feel his disappointment or his distance, his displeasure, his kind of emotional disconnect. See, can you imagine the impact in your everyday life if rather than feeling this kind of flat line from God, this just sort of disappointment or distance from God, can you imagine the impact if you regularly experienced the Lord delighting in you in this way? What would that do to your desire for deeper intimacy with him, what would that do to your experience of relational attachment to him, to your experience of joy if you lived in this reality? This is an absolute game changer. Okay, so the question is, how can we change our visceral perception of how God feels about us, of of, of God toward us? How can we more deeply experience God's lavish love and delight in us? Well, thankfully, God has given us a specific resource to help us increasingly live in the reality of of his delight in us. Um, And look at what the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans 5, verses 5. Here's the resource God gives. Check this out. God's love, his delight, his love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, 
who has been given to us. Now, this verse is amazing. I want to unpack it for just a second because there's, there's so much here. The language Paul uses here is not describing this idea of being poured out. It's not describing a trickle, a little stream. It's not. It's not. The language he uses is like Niagara Falls. That's what he's talking about. God's love is being lavishly, abundantly poured out. Okay, so where is his love being poured out? Paul tells us, into our hearts. See, Paul is talking about an experience of God's love, not just some information about God's love that we have in our head. No, Paul is talking about something we feel at the core of our being. See, Paul wants us to live in this experiential reality of God's absolute Niagara Falls-sized love and delight being poured into our hearts. Sounds amazing. So how does this experience happen? Well, Paul tells us the same verse. It's through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit has been given by God the Father to us to help you and me experience the fullness of Jesus' love for us, the Niagara Falls of Jesus' love. That's part of the purpose of the Holy Spirit, part of his job description in us to help us experience this. So what does this look like, practically speaking? Well, Paul tells us a little bit later in the book of Romans, chapter eight. So look with me at this. this I love this, this verse, these two verses. I go back to this again and again. Look at this, look at this. The spirit you received when you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit. So the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit, capital S, himself testifies with our spirit, little s, right, our inner being, that we are God's children. This is amazing. Notice how actively the Holy Spirit in us is working to help us experience the fullness of God's love. Paul says that the Spirit, first of all, it sets us free from our fears. So we don't have to live in slavery to people's opinions of us and all that stuff. No, we, we, we can, he sets us free from these fears so that we can live as what? As fully loved and accepted sons and daughters of God. So that's one thing the Spirit does. But not only that, Paul also says the Spirit in us actually enables us to call God Abba. Abba. In, in, in today's terminology, that word Abba means daddy or papa. It would be the term that a child uses to call his or her dad, this term of endearment. And then Paul says here that the Spirit within us Check this out. Testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Think about that. To testify means to speak the truth. It means to speak the truth. If you're not speaking, you're not testifying, okay? So so this is talking about something the spirit is doing in us. The spirit within us, Paul is saying, the spirit within us is continually speaking to our inner being, to our heart, a very specific truth that we are a beloved child of God. In other words, the Holy Spirit is continually whispering to your heart, you are my son whom I love. You you are my daughter whom I adore. With you, I am well pleased. 
See, this is amazing. God so wants you and me to experience intimacy with him that he has placed within each one of us his Holy Spirit, whose primary job description is to continually remind us how much he loves us. So this is the journey that we are beginning today, learning how to tune in to the Spirit's presence within us so that we increasingly feel how much he loves us. So it's not just head knowledge. It is an experience that we have. So the weekly exercises and the spiritual practices that we're going to be engaging in in this journey, those things are designed to help each one of us grow in this beautiful, transformative experience. Okay, now, I want to get really practical because there's a, there's a very particular practical tool that has helped me um, better hear the Spirit's whisper and grow in my experience of Jesus' love for me. And I wanted to spend a few minutes just talking about this, and then we're going to experience this together. It has to do with how our brains work. Okay, over the past few decades, amazing progress has been made in understanding how our brains process information. At the risk of oversimplification, I'm not a neuroscientist or whatever, but I've done some reading, okay. But anyway, so I want to share just some of these gleanings. At the risk of oversimplification, the left side of our brain tends to focus on it processes information through a lens of data, facts, and content, what we, what we typically refer to as the mind. So the left side of our brain embraces truth cognitively and propositionally. This is the left side of our brain is the realm of, of science and algebra and theological study and all of that. The right side of our brain is the intuitive relational side where we experience emotions, where we experience attachment with people. It's where we experience our identity. So the right side of our brain is really the experiential center, kind of the heart, if you will. Both sides of our brain are created by God. And they are vitally important to utilize. However, here's, here's, the, here's the problem. Most of us tend to lean heavily, even exclusively, on the left side of our brain in our relationship with God, when it comes to our relationship with God. Sermons, podcasts, books, content, information. So this explains how I was able to, years ago, I was able to graduate with a master's degree in theology, and yet in my heart not really feel God's love for me. Information about God's love didn't result in me actually experiencing his love. Something was missing. And that something for me was learning how to also engage the right side of my brain in my relationship with God so that the information that I knew in my head became more real in my experience. So one of the tools that God has given us that we can utilize to help make this connection is our brain's ability to picture something in our imagination. So when I think of my wife, Raylene, if you were to ask me about Raylene, when I think about her right now, I don't see in my mind a paragraph with words. Raylene is five foot six. She has brown hair. I don't see her that way. I, 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 don't, see, I, I don't see words in a paragraph describing her. I see a picture. I see a picture in my mind. I see an image of her. And that image actually impacts me emotionally. It kind of it warms my heart. It stirs my emotions. See, God has given us the ability to picture things in our minds. And those pictures often 
touch our hearts in a way that is deeper than words. So here's the deal. What if, here's the question, what if we took a truth that's articulated in scripture and that the left side of our brain understands and embraces, and what if we let the right side of our brain envision that happening? In other words, we use our God-given imagination to picture the scriptural truth in our minds. See, when we do that, what happens is that we experience that truth more deeply. It becomes more real to us. A picture is worth a thousand words, right? We know that both aspects of this are important. The truth, left side of our brain, and the experiential right side of our brain. What a powerful combination. No wonder God created our brains with both of these capacities. But unfortunately, in our post-enlightenment culture, we tend to neglect the right side of our brain in our spiritual lives. And the impact is huge. Because what it does is it keeps our relationship with Jesus confined to a cognitive level rather than embracing the heart as well. So the tool I'm describing is what, what I call biblical imaging. And this tool is seen throughout scripture. One of the most powerful examples of this is in Psalm 27, where David, he's in the midst of some war coming, you know, have armies coming against him, all this. He's in the midst of some pretty intense fear-inducing circumstances. He chooses a particular response. Check this out. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, this is important, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. What's he talking about? Well, the Hebrew word used here for gaze is not the word in Hebrew used for physical sight. It's a different word. The word he uses for gaze is the same word used in the Old Testament in Hebrew to talk about a prophet who sees a vision. David is, what's happening here, David is intentionally using his imagination to envision in his mind the beauty of the Lord. And in doing so, as he's doing that, David more deeply experiences the truth of who God is, and it lessens his fears. He has a visceral emotional reaction to that. So what we envision, we experience. What we envision, we experience. In professional sports, like golf and basketball, other sports, athletes train to mentally see, see a shot before taking it. Why? Because it frees them from getting stuck in technique and information, which often becomes paralyzing. Trying to swing a golf club, okay, my, my elbow needs to be here and my, my hands need to be here. I mean, you're, you're, you're probably going to hit the ball, right? But you're thinking so much technique, it becomes paralyzing. See, what, it, it just, it, we get too much information. So what, what, for athletes, what happens? Envisioning the shot frees them to just feel it. So in, in the book, I share more scriptures and more examples of this. But for the sake of time, let me just summarize this tool. Biblical imaging, hear me, it is not some new age thing. It is not. This is Bible stuff. In biblical imaging, we're simply taking a truth that is found in scripture and we're allowing the right side of our brain to envision that or to picture that, that truth. And when we do that, we open the door for our hearts to engage in and experience that truth more deeply. So I, I can only speak from personal experience. For me personally, this practice of biblical imaging has dramatically 
impact, my experience of Jesus' love for me. It has deepened my experience of intimacy with him. So what I want to do, I want to lead you in a spiritual exercise of biblical imaging that's been pivotal for me, pivotal, pivotal for me, it's been crucial for me in helping me experience a, a more accurate perception of God truly delighting in me. So this is an exercise that you're going to be doing this week on your own. It's one of the three exercises, and it's one that I do often because of how powerful it is. Now look, before we go into this, I know this may be a bit out of your comfort zone. That's totally okay. That's how we learn, right? We try new things. So even if this feels different or awkward, just try it, all right? And then keep at it. I think you're going to find it to be extremely helpful. So let's begin. I'm going to have you begin by just closing your eyes, quieting your heart. If you're watching this, I encourage you to, to do this with us. So close your eyes. Take a few deep breaths just to calm your heart, to quiet your heart. So just keep your eyes closed. In this exercise, we're going to place ourselves in the story of the prodigal son, which Jesus describes in Luke 15. So in this story, Jesus tells about a father who had two sons. And one day, the younger son demanded his share of the estate, which was a huge insult to his dad. He was basically saying to his dad, you're better off to me, dad. I, don't, I just want your money. So the father gave him half of his estate. The younger son left and then he squandered the entire amount on wild living. He lost everything. The only job he could find was feeding pigs. And the pig food started to look good to him. He was in that kind of a low moment. So at that moment, Jesus says he came to his senses. He decided, hey, I'm going to go back to my father. I'm gonna, I mean, and he was just going to ask if he could work for him as a hired hand. So I want you now to imagine, I want you to engage the right side of your brain by imagining yourself in this story. So picture in your mind, you're walking toward home, having blown it big time. And you've got your speech prepared for your father. Father, I'm not even worthy to be your son or daughter. Could I just work as an employee? So can you see this in your mind? So as you walk this path, it's getting nearer to your home. You have no idea how your father is going to react to seeing you. you. You insulted him in front of the whole community. You insulted him horribly. You rejected him. How is he going to now respond when he sees you? You don't know. So take a moment and just imagine that feeling. Now, as you walk over a small hill, suddenly your house is in view. Just picture it in your mind. And you notice that your father is on the back porch. He's looking for you to return. He's looking around left to right, and then suddenly he sees you. And when he sees you, he pulls up his robe, and he begins running toward you. Just envision the Father doing this. And 
And as he gets close to you, you, you pull out your little note card with your speech on it. You, you, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy to be your daughter. You're getting ready to give that speech. He's not listening to you. His face is filled with delight in seeing you. And when he gets to you, he, he wraps his arms around you. And he gives you a huge bear hug. Just imagine this in your mind. Just feel him wrapping you in his arms of love. He then steps back just a, a, a foot and he holds your face in his hands and he smiles at you with delight. Just let him delight in you. Now picture him taking his family robe he takes it off his shoulders and he puts it on your shoulders, across your shoulders. Just wraps you in it. Just feel the warmth and security of that. He then looks at your worn out sandals and he says to his servants, get my child some new Birkenstocks. And he gently places them on your weary feet completely undeserved. Just feel his tender, loving provision for you. Now picture him taking a family ring, the family ring, and he puts it on your Finger. And as he does that, imagine him saying to you, you belong in this family. You're my son. You are my daughter. I am so glad to see you. You are mine. And then he says to you, let's go celebrate. So imagine him putting his arm around you, around your shoulder as you walk back home together. How does that feel? Just take a moment and enjoy him being with you and loving you. Okay, so now you can open your eyes. So how was that experience? I, I realize this may have been a very new experience for you. It may have felt a little weird. That's totally okay. We're, again, we're often not used to using, to engaging the right side of our brain in spiritual things. We're not. And so at first, it may feel a little bit strange. That's totally normal. But remember, all we're doing is allowing biblical truth to touch our emotions. This is not about exalting feelings over truth. No, this is about allowing biblical truth to actually touch 
our hearts. Now, some of you may have gotten stuck in a particular part of the story. That, that's okay. That sometimes happens. And actually, don't beat yourself up over it. It's, just, it's really, really helpful information because often it reveals a place where perhaps we've been wounded by someone or we're believing a lie. And it's something that the Lord just wants us to explore with him and to experience love, his love or healing maybe in a place like that. So I wanna encourage you, if you got stuck in the story, totally okay, I encourage you to explore that with the Holy Spirit or with, with someone with our, like our, our Hope Abounds prayer ministry that has some training in the, these kinds of things, this kind of prayer. Okay, so, so let me remind us of what we're gonna be focusing on this upcoming week, right? We're laying a crucial foundation for intimacy with God, which is experiencing his delight in us. This is a foundation, experiencing his delight in us. So the three exercises for this week are gonna help you grow in that experience. Again, the goal is not the exercises. They're simply a tool to help us connect with Jesus. That's our goal, intimacy with Jesus. That's the goal. So I just wanna encourage you, I wanna urge you to make some time this week for each one of the exercises. Don't skip them, don't hurry them, don't say, oh, in the message I already did this. No, no, you can do this exercise I just did multiple times and God can highlight different things in the story. So don't, don't skip over them, don't hurry them. Slow down in them, take your time. Let the Lord pour out his love into your heart through his Holy Spirit. Let him do that in a fresh way with each exercise. All right, let's stand. We like to conclude our messages, not the service, but to, to finish the message by welcoming the Holy Spirit. We've already kind of prepared our hearts for this. And so in just a moment, I'm gonna pray, come Holy Spirit, and I wanna invite all of us to open our hearts to the Lord. So why don't you close your eyes? If you're comfortable, I invite you just to put your hands in front of you with palms up, which is a posture of receptivity. And I'm gonna pray in just a moment, and I wanna encourage us, as I was thinking about this moment earlier, I really wanna encourage us to... Just open our hearts to the Niagara Falls of God's love being poured into us through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Holy Spirit, we open our hearts to you. We open our minds to you. We open our bodies to you. We welcome you to come afresh. Holy Spirit, come.
God. Fill in us, Holy Spirit, with the love of the Father. We're praying, Lord, Niagara Falls, just more of your love into places of fear, into places of wounding. Lord, just come and help us see and experience you the way you are, your true heart for us. So we're going to continue in this, this attitude of openness as the worship team leads us. Let's continue to open our hearts to the fullness of God's love and his presence here. And if at any point, um, we, we have a, a prayer team available, I'll be available as well. If at any point you kind of sense Maybe the Holy Spirit is doing something um, in you. Maybe sometimes we actually experience, when the Holy Spirit kind of comes upon us, sometimes we experience maybe a physical sensation in our body. Sometimes my face will kind of start to tingle, um, which I know is kind of weird, but it's just what I've learned that I think the presence of the Lord is here. Or, or sometimes maybe our heart starts pounding or who knows, or maybe there's just a, a longing for more and just this desire to be blessed in that and prayed alongside of in that. And so if at any point you're experiencing that, man, we just invite you to step forward. There's plenty of space here. No one's gonna embarrass you. We just wanna, or we'll just come alongside and just put a hand on your shoulder, just bless whatever God's doing. And then if we sense God may be giving us a word for you, We'll just share that with you and you can test and weigh that. So ministry space, this is just Holy Spirit space. So come Lord, move in us, set us free to experience your love, to, to be delighted in and to delight in you because of how awesome you are. God, we love you, Lord. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. We really do hope that this is something that has inspired you, that has challenged you. Uh, and, and we also want to let you know, you know, sometimes when you hear a message like this, especially when it's about, you know, intimacy with God and God's heart for you, yeah. uh, you go, man, like I would love to be able to talk to somebody about this. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I'm sitting here watching it on YouTube or listening to a podcast. Who am I going to talk to? Uh, we want to let you know that if you head over to our website, we actually have a button at the bottom that says chat with us. I think it says chat with us. But if you click on that, you're going to get connected to mm -hmm. one of the pastors or staff members here at our church and literally any hour of the day uh, for the most part uh, you know when you reach out there's going to be somebody live who's responding to you who'd be counting it an honor to be able to pray with you to get you connected to any resources that you need and, and so if that's you if you're going like man you know I could really use somebody to process this with or really help figure out my next steps uh, get connected with us online uh, but having said that, friends, thank mm -hmm. you so much for being a part of this. Uh, we love you. We love that you're a part of our church family in this digital world. Uh, and we hope you have just a fantastic, blessed week. Yeah.